Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Hello everyone, my name is Clint Schwartz, I'm the lead pastor here. Just a real quick show of hands. How many of you, you can't take it if this is a little bit awkward, you know, like if it's a little bit off-center? Okay. All right. I, I raise my hands with that too. In the back, you may not be able to see it, but I always have to line this up <laughs> really well. Otherwise, it bothers me the whole message. And some of you too, so it's good. I'm not the only one. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about our baptism that's coming up. And uh, just encourage you, if you have never been baptized as an adult, but you're a follower of Christ... I would encourage you to really seriously consider signing up for one of those classes and explore getting baptized. The Bible says to repent and be baptized. So if you've already given your life to Christ, you've repented, but you've never been baptized as an adult, I would encourage you to consider that. And then secondly, uh, if you have been baptized as an adult, but you fell away for a season and you're now back following Jesus, uh, I would encourage you to consider getting baptized, getting rebaptized as just kind of a, a, a public statement that you're back in the game and ready to follow Jesus with all your heart. So anyway, those, we have two classes, one next Sunday and then the following Wednesday. Uh, so please consider that. And then on uh, Wednesday night, I want to give a quick report. We had a block party here for our neighborhood, uh, for kids and families in our neighborhood and the, the surrounding neighborhoods. And we had over 50 volunteers come and help us with that. Uh, we guesstimated around 75 guests came as we had a, a cookout and had games and prizes and, and even a water slide, which wasn't part of the plan, but it worked out really well. Um, so just so you know, we're going to have that same water slide uh, in a couple weeks at our cookout. So plan on, uh, Matt, plan on bringing your shorts, you know, your swimsuit, all right? I want to see you go down that. Anyway, so uh, thank you guys, everyone who volunteered. Thank you so much for that. And then uh, also just thank you if you're financially supporting the church because 10% of everything you give, like uh, Matt and Lyndon said, is going back to support uh, outreach and missions. So appreciate that. All right, to uh, start today's message, I have a question for you. Have you ever done anything unwise? All right, I'm going to ask you to share. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I have. I've done so many things unwise. I want to share one with you. Uh, I had to narrow it down. So I just started early. One of, my, one of the first memories I have of doing something unwise was when I was probably three, four, five years old. I was pretty young. And it was getting into the fall, late fall, going into winter, and it was freezing outside. One of the first uh, snows of the year. And I remember looking out on the back porch and seeing these wasps. And then they were they were all kind of curled up and they were freezing, beginning to freeze. And I had enough knowledge at that age to know that if, if I didn't do something, they were going to die, right? And, um, and I knew that if I warmed them up, that they would live. So I went out and I picked up all these frozen wasps, brought them in. I put them on the baseboard heater, you know, right inside of our uh, hallway, put them across that, and they started to warm up. And they started to start crawling and moving, and I was petting them, you know. And then I got stung. <laughs> the st- 
stupid wasp. I don't know if I can say stupid in a service. But anyway, I said the stupid wasp, and it stung me, and I was like, oh, well, this is awful. And so then I took those wasps, and I gave them back to nature and uh, was done with it. But I realized at that point that it wasn't very wise for me to think that we can have wasps as pets, right? It just wasn't a wise thing. I also realized that petting a wasp, no matter what, is not a good good idea. So that day, I became a little bit wiser. So we can have information, you know, we can have education. So I knew, I was young enough to know that they were going to die if we were out there and freezing. And I knew that if I warmed them up, they would live. But I didn't have enough wisdom to understand what was going to happen next, <laughs> that, that they would liven up and do what wasps do, right, and, and sting me. So, so we can have information and still not be wise. Does that make sense? And today in our culture, I would say that uh, we have a lot of people going after a lot of information, you know, trying to get education. You can have a lot of letters after your name, have PhDs in, in college and so on, and still not be wise. So, not be, so we can be smart and not be wise. So here's the definition of smart. Mentally alert, bright, knowledgeable, witty, clever. But then wisdom is the trait of utilizing knowledge and experience with common sense and insight. So the biggest, big difference there is we can have information and be smart, have lots of information, education, but wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. So let me give you a couple of examples of smart versus wise. Some of these I found online. Others are just from my own practical experience. So number one, a smart person knows how to fix something. A wise person knows when to ask for help. So this just came to me just in the last couple of weeks. Our speakers were having some issues. We sent them down to the uh, repair shop. And then when they came back, my friend Ron says, hey, if you need help putting those in, let me know. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I know how to do it. I have the information. I know how to hook them up and, and all of that. But when I was up on this ladder carrying these really heavy speakers and putting them up there and basically just about dying doing this, I thought, you know, it would have been wise to accept the help from my friend. So that's one. Knows when to ask for help. Here's another one. A smart person understands finances. A wise person follows a budget. You know, you can have an education in finance, a bachelor degree, master's degree in finance, know how to create a P&L report, and still not follow a budget and so you end up spending more than you have, and you have a negative net worth, right? Or you could have never gone to college for finances, have a, a minimum wage job, but have enough wisdom to have a budget and spend less than you make and actually have money in the bank at the end of the day. There's a difference. Here's another one. A smart person asks for advice. A wise person takes advice. Big difference, right? You ever had someone ask you for advice, but they never follow it? Right? There's a difference. So we can have, because the Bible says that, um, what's it say? I'm trying to remember it. That with many advisors, success is sure, is what it says. And so we can ask for advice, but there's a difference between asking and actually taking advice. All right, here's another one. 
A smart person knows the quickest route to get somewhere. A wise person takes time to enjoy the journey. So let me explain. This one came to my mind because when we go to Florida, man, I am map questing this. I am figuring out the quickest route to get down there, how to avoid all of the construction, what time to drive through Atlanta so that we don't get stopped by traffic, you know, all of that. But you know what wisdom would say? Wisdom would say, it's not how quick you get there. It's enjoying the journey as you go. Um, Letting the kids actually go to the bathroom at some point, you know, on the trip. (laughs) That would be nice, right? So there's, there's wisdom in that. Just three more. Let me give you three more. So a smart person knows the best buffet in town. A wise person knows how often to go. I learned that through practical experience. All right, number six. A smart person knows what to say. A wise person knows whether to say it or not. Big difference there, isn't there? Because I can many times feel like I know what to say, but I'm learning through wisdom to not always say it because it doesn't always have to be said, right? And then number seven, a smart person knows when they said something wrong. A wise person takes time to apologize for it, you know, because we can know we did something wrong, but, you know, it takes wisdom to go ahead and apologize for it. Starting to see the difference kind of between being smart and being wise. So accumulating information, becoming smart, it's good, it's helpful, but I would submit to you today that wisdom is better. Wisdom is much better. It knows how to use that information. And I believe that in our culture today, in our country, the, the world elevates information, elevates education, elevates intelligence, but what God elevates, what God acknowledges, and what he promotes is wisdom. In the Bible, wisdom, the word wisdom is mentioned 217 times, and the word wise is an additional 177 times, and the word smart isn't used in the Bible once, not in the NIV translation. In fact, the word intelligent or intelligence is mentioned just nine times. So you can see where God values what he values more. He values wisdom over intelligence. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So living a life of wisdom is really, really important. So today we're starting a new series about wisdom. It's called Good Advice, Godly Wisdom from the Book of Proverbs. So it's our summer series, and we're going to be teaching out of the book of Proverbs. And our goal is that by the end of the summer, our church, each one of us, is just a little bit more wise as a result of this series. Now, I am going to be challenging everyone. So it's not going to be just that we're going to be uh, doing our messages out of the book of Proverbs, but I would like everyone in our church to be reading Proverbs every day. Now, I've made it easy for you, though, because Proverbs is uh, made up of 31 chapters, and we're going to start this tomorrow. So the plan is to go through um, July and August, and each month, July and August, each have 31 days, and there's 31 chapters. So I'm going to ask that each one of us reads the proverb of the day. So tomorrow, for example, is the first, and so tomorrow you should read Proverbs chapter 1. And then the next day is the second, and you read Proverbs chapter 2. 
And the cool thing about it is you don't even need a bookmark because you just look at the calendar and go, today's the 10th. So you open up the Proverbs chapter 10 and you read along. And as you are in the book of Proverbs and I'm in the book of Proverbs, our teachers will all be teaching as well from the book of Proverbs. In fact, they will be teaching on something that you read in the last week. So this, this next weekend, we're going to be teaching out of something out of the first six chapters of Proverbs. So you guys will be kind of right there with us as we're reading it together and uh, teaching it each Sunday. So I'm really looking forward to this series. Now, why the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is filled with wisdom. It was written by the wisest man in the world, King Solomon. And every time I read it, I feel like God is imparting wisdom into my being. It's a supernatural book. It's, the Bible is a supernatural book. So it's not just like reading Aesop's fables, you know? It is actual words from God, and it changes how we think and how we feel. It changes the decisions that we make. So today, we're going to kick that off by reading about King Solomon and, and learning about how he became so wise. All right, so you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. And by the way, that's about this far through your Bible, about 25% through. It's after 1 and 2 Samuel. And it's uh, the story, it begins with the story of King Solomon becoming king. He is the son of King David. And King David had a wonderful kingdom. You know, they were at peace. He had uh, uh, all the gold ready for the temple. He had done so many great things in his kingdom, had you know, thousands and thousands of, of followers, and he handed this all over to his 20-year-old son, and his son's like, oh man, I don't know how to do this. I definitely feel unqualified to be the king over this kingdom. And so we're going to read about where he has a conversation with God and asks God for wisdom. So you can turn there. Again, we'll be in chapter 3. Verse 5, starting with verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern the, this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And God answered that prayer for Solomon, and he became incredibly wise. So today, 
from the scripture. We're going to give us a couple of reasons why we should go after wisdom more so than knowledge. But let me pray, and I'll give you a couple of points that you can fill in on your handout. So, Father, I come to you right now, and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church. I thank you, Lord, that you gave us this scripture and this challenge to get into the book of Proverbs this summer, Father. And I pray that we would begin to learn from your servant Solomon and the words that he wrote down, and that your Holy Spirit would just change our hearts and minds and and give us discerning hearts, Lord. Give us wisdom, we pray. And I pray that it begins today as we read your word, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. Two points. We should prioritize wisdom over knowledge because wisdom gives us direction. Wisdom gives us direction. In verse 9, it says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. So what Solomon was asking for was, I need direction. I mean, this is a numerous people. There's lots of challenges. So God, give me wisdom. Give me direction. So discerning heart, the definition of discerning is having or revealing keen insight and good judgment. Unobtrusively perceptive and sympathetic, quick to understand, able to make or detect effects of great subtlety, sensitive. So this is what King Solomon is asking for. And I'd say that's something that we all would want. 1 Kings 4.29 says, God answered that prayer. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. So Solomon understood that he wasn't going to have all the information. Okay, he wasn't going to know it all. Now, if, if we know all of the information, we, if we have it all in front of us, it makes it kind of easy to make a decision. But when we don't know everything, then we, we have to rely on God. Because that's when wisdom comes to play. Wisdom gives us the ability to see the bigger picture. It allows us to see beyond here and now. Wisdom can see how decisions that we make today will affect us tomorrow. Because who knows the future? God does, right? And so when God gives us wisdom, we get the advantage of knowing the future. We may not know it, but God knows the future, and he gives us wisdom to make those kinds of decisions. Now, there is an example uh, soon after God imparts wisdom to Solomon that's recorded in chapter 3 of 1 Kings. And I'm going to read about this because this is an example of where King Solomon was given incredible wisdom to see beyond the information that was given to him. Chapter 3, verse 16 says, Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, My lord, this woman I live, this woman and I live in the same house. I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. 
But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. I mean, can you imagine that? So King Solomon has been brought this incredibly difficult case, and everybody's watching him saying, okay, how is he going to do this, this new kid, this 20-year-old king, how is he going to manage this kind of a case? But God had given him incredible wisdom. He didn't have all the information. There wasn't a lie detector test available. There were no witnesses. There was no DNA test to try to figure out who the parent was. It was an incredibly difficult case. So let's listen to what King Solomon says in verse 23. The king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. You can probably hear this, you know, wow, what kind of command is that? The woman whose son was alive was filled with compassion for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. When we don't know what to do, when we don't have all of the information, God does. And God can give us wisdom to know how to act. But I will tell you that God's wisdom many, many times goes, av- goes against conventional uh, information, conventional wisdom, what the world says would be smart or intelligent to do. And so you have to, you have to get ready for that. Because if you're going to be wise in following God's plans for your life, just know that the world may not agree with you. They're going to see things differently than you do. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There are many people in this world who would say, it is foolish for you to be here today, to get up on a Sunday morning early and come to church. Why not? Just sleep in. You know, do chores around the house. See, God's wisdom is going to be different than what the world says. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. The wisdom of God, many, many times, is opposite to the wisdom of this world. God's wisdom says to give 10% of your income to the church, and then you will have more than enough to live on. The world says, man, you need to keep all that you make. And if you have any extra, put it away for a rainy day. God's wisdom says to to not wear yourself out, to get rich. But the world would say, sacrifice whatever you, you have to, to get ahead, to get that promotion. God's wisdom says, you need to forgive the person who hurt you, the person who offended you. The world would say, don't let them get away with it. If you forgive them, they're just going to hurt you again. 
God's wisdom will give us direction, but it will be opposite many, many times from the advice we get in the world. And that means that sometimes friends and family members, well-meaning co-workers, they're going to say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. And, and you have to be willing to say no to some of those people who are looking at it truly through the eyes of the world and not seeing the wisdom of God in that situation. So 12 years ago, I was working at Memorial Hospital. I had been there for 15 years. I was, had kind of worked my way up the ladder. I was a director in the information systems department, making good money, good benefits, six weeks vacation, kind of a cushy job at that point. And God said, hey, it's better for you to quit that job and go work part-time at a church. And uh, I had a few people, I did, I ended up following that. It, it took a long time for Rose and I to, to wrestle through that decision. Um, but we did finally decide that that was God. And so we were going to follow him no matter how stupid that looked. <laughs> it didn't look good on paper at all. And I had a lot of people that just were questioning, in some sense, questioning my sanity. They're like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? How are you going to live? But I'll tell you what, I couldn't see it, but it was incredibly wise for us to do that. God took care of us every step of the way, and it's been an incredible journey. And then even to the point of a year ago, I stepped down from that job, and, and, and Rose and I started this church over in Elkhart, which has been a wonderful journey for us, and we so enjoyed it. So as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, you know, there may be some of you out here today who have been asked to do something foolish in the eyes of the world, right? I mean, God may be asking you to stop hanging out with some of the people that you're hanging out with. But then you hear that voice saying, well, then I'm going to be alone, or they're a lot of fun, and who am I going to have fun with? Or, I, you know, they're the ones that really help me get into this place or whatever. And God may be saying, you just need to stop hanging out with them. Others, God may be saying to you, you need to change jobs. Because it's getting in the way of your, your time with your family, your time at the church. And, and the world would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, you got to keep that job. That's, you're making that money. It's a great place. You're moving up the ladder. And, and God may be saying, that's not the best place for you. And as I was thinking about this, and, and I, again, I want to be careful on this, but there may be some parents in here who God is saying, you need to take your kids out of public school because of the influence that they're having. Now, again, I'm not saying that for every parent because there are good public schools and we need Christian kids in public schools. But there may be someone here who God's saying, you need to take your kid out of public school and either homeschool or put them in a Christian school. The world's not going to necessarily agree with that. It's not going to say that it's wise. But here, you can write this down. It's better to be a fool in the eyes of this world than to be a fool in the eyes of God. And I will tell you this, those two things are so opposed 
Many times, if you're going to be wise in the eyes of God, you, you're just going to look foolish in the eyes of the world. It's just going to happen. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that. That's point number one. We should prioritize wisdom over knowledge because wisdom gives us direction. And then point number two, we should prioritize wisdom over knowledge because wisdom helps us discern good from evil. Good from evil. Going back to verse 9, it says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. To distinguish between right and wrong. And if there was ever a time that we need to know the difference between right and wrong, it's right now. You know, even... 30 years ago, our culture was very, very different. You know, the United States was established on Christian values, you know, a couple hundred years ago. But boy, that has shifted in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And so we need to know the difference between right and wrong. Wisdom will help us with that. We today have pastors of churches who are blessing and supporting abortion clinics. We have people who are being called bigots because they believe in the Bible's definition of marriage. Living with your bae is more popular than getting, actually getting married. By the way, bae means your boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm hip, just so you all know. <laughs> right. Nothing like putting a message together to teach you a few things, right? All right. Cheating on your taxes is seen as a God-given right. Sex and nudity on television is being accepted as normal. And it seems like it's acceptable and okay to hate somebody if they differ with you politically. We need to know the difference between what is right and wrong because we live in a very troubling time. Things are getting confused, upside down, turn around. And by the way, if you want to uh, hear, any, hear about any of those topics, we just did a message called Tough Topics, and you can listen to those off of our website. We talked about many of those topics. But I, I found this example. This has been around for a while. It's about a book that was written um, about 10 years ago or so. Um, but it's coming back around. The name of the book is called Conversations with God, which sounds pretty innocent. Anyone ever heard of that book? So, but I, I would just submit to you that it is just false doctrine. Okay, false doctrine. Here's some snippets from a book review that I found. The author purports to answer various questions asked by kids using the voice of God. However, the answers that he gives are not Bible-based and go against the very infallible word of God. Another girl poses the question, I'm living with my boyfriend. My parents say that I should marry him because I'm living in sin. Should I marry him? It's a great question. I think a lot of questions, a lot of people are asking that question in our society. His reply is, who are you sinning against? Not me, because you've done nothing wrong. Eh. <laughs> that's, that's not true. You know, sexual purity is really important to God. And so that was a wrong answer. Another one, another question asks about God's forgiveness of sin. His reply, I do not forgive anyone because there is nothing to forgive. There is no such thing as right or wrong, and that is what I have been trying to tell everyone. Do not judge people. People have chosen to judge one another, and this is wrong, because the rule is judge not, lest ye be judged. 
Again, sounds great. It's just not true. The Bible says that we are all sinners, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need forgiveness from God. And the list goes on. These books and others like it are being sold to school children through the Scholastic Book Club, and we need to be aware of what is being fed to our children. And knowing the difference between right and wrong, we need that today as children, as students, as college students, young adults, parents, grandparents. We can't just take what's acceptable anymore and put a stamp of approval on it. I mean, that, that book sounds great. If, if my little kid would have come up to me many years ago and said, Conversations with God, I want to I buy this book at school, I'd be like, oh, my kid wants to talk to God. This is so cool. I wouldn't even know, you know, that, that it's so bad unless God gives me enough wisdom to go, we should probably look at the author. What other books is he written? Let's, let's look at the synopsis of it. So I will tell you, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is because I believe that each one of us, as we dive into this, as we're committed to attending, as we're committed to reading in Proverbs every day, that we will become more wise. And we will have a better ability to discern between good and evil. And we need to know that today. Each one of us needs to know that. So please, I'm just asking, make a commitment to get in your Bible each and every day and read the Proverbs chapter of the day. And if you don't have a Bible, stop by the Welcome Center. We have Bibles there. We will gladly give you a Bible. So that's point number two. We should prioritize Wisdom over knowledge because wisdom helps us discern good from evil. And a little promo for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about how do you get this wisdom, all right? I'll give you a little hint. It's going to start here, <laughs> okay? But you need to come back to hear the message, so that's next week. I'm going to invite Krista to come up here, and uh, she's going to lead us in a closing song. If you guys would stand up. Let me just pray. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.